0: The following podcast will contain foul language and spoilers. And if we're lucky, sex, violence, nudity, and triggers. Listener discretion is advised.
1: Welcome to the Everett Book Club. We are a twice-monthly book review and discussion podcast specializing in old or out-of-print science fiction and fantasy.
0: My name is Ruiz Tremello and I am a cheese winer, dedicating my life to combining both cheese and wine into one delectable, jello-like product.
1: And my name is Marguerite, and I am a four-dimensional sculptor.
0: Together we travel the world administering Turing tests, but today we're recording in Hufflepuff, Portugal, The town that invented puppy tuxedos.
1: They're so cute.
0: There's a museum of puppy tuxedos and several puppy tuxedo gift shops.
1: And a whole street of puppy tuxedo milliners and haberdashers.
0: I can't wait to leave.
1: They're so cute.
0: But today we're not discussing puppy tuxedos. No. We are here to discuss Enoch Soames by Sir Henry Maximilian Beerbohm from the year 1916. So just to give you a little bit of background, this story comes to us from The Time Traveler's Almanac, a 950-page collection of over 60 time travel short stories. And Marguerite, would you be so kind as to describe the somewhat plain cover for us?
1: It's orange. It's got a picture of the interior of watch, or block. You know, for time, and then it's also got names of a bunch of the authors who've written in the book. Most of them are pretty good, except for George R. R. Martin. Screw so <laughs> that guy.
0: Someone's bitter. Didn't like, finish
1: your fucking series.
0: Didn't like how the Red Wedding went.
1: Mm, I don't really care about that.
0: Mm. And this is a somewhat newer collection, and features a very old story because this one's from 1916. Yeah. Just to give you a little note on the era, uh, it takes place in the 1890s. Uh, over the course of several years, actually. The story is basically split into two sections. The first covers around four years, and the second half takes place over one mysterious day. Hmm. So, the first sentence of Enoch Soames. When a book about the literature of the 1890s was given by Mr. Holbrook Jackson to the world, I looked eagerly in the index for Soames, Enoch, It was as I feared, he was not there, but everybody else was.
1: Every single person in existence.
0: Who was a literature of the 1890s. (laughs) So we open upon a first-person narration, declaring over the course of three very lengthy paragraphs about how Enoch Soames was a failed writer. So failed, in fact, that he is unremembered by one and all, except for our so far unnamed narrator.
1: About his Enoch Soames.
0: You are correct. <laughs> after some discussion about how Enoch Soames failed to be remembered, we get into the story after uh, well over two pages. Once upon a time, the summer of 1893, a bolt from the blue struck Oxford University, attracting great attention. And that bolt's name was Will Rothenstein. Hmm a student visiting from Paris and there on campus in order to do a series of 24 lithographs. Will Rothenstein is described as a dynamic little stranger who, quote, did not sue, he invited. He did not invite, he commanded. He was 21 years old. He wore spectacles that flashed more than any other pair ever seen.
1: Flashed? like?
0: Did I say clashed?
1: No, you said flashed.
0: Oof, they also clashed with his outfit. (laughs) <laughs> he was a wit. He was a brimful of ideas. And so Will Rothenstein begins his series of lithographs, choosing a few randoms on the campus, including our narrator, who quickly warms to the dynamic brimful of wit, until by the fall semester they are friends. So we cut to October, where Will and narrator are visiting the domino room of the Café Royal. Amidst gilding and crimson velvet, opposing mirrors and tobacco fumes, conversation and dominoes. Classy. It's 1890 style. Narrator remarks that it was an hour before dinner, so of course they drank vermouth. And apparently so magnetic and famous is Will Rothenstein that randoms wander by their table just to get a glimpse of him. And one of these randoms is a stooping, shambling, tall, pale man.
1: This author is very descriptive.
0: This man passes the tables once or twice, and narrator declares that he wore a, quote, grey waterproof cape, which perhaps because it was waterproof, failed to be romantic.
1: (laughs) Oh, yep.
0: Otherwise, it would have been romantic, because it was a cape, after all.
1: Oh, I see. The most romantic of outfits.
0: The pale man comes back to the table, after circling for a while, and strides up to Will Rothenstein, saying simply, You don't remember me. Hmm. Will thinks for a bit before declaring Edwin Soames. Enoch Soames, the pale man, corrects. Turns out they met in Paris, and Enoch visited Will's studio. Will invites him to sit down, and he immediately orders absinthe. Because it's the 1890s, Will says that absinthe is bad for you and has fallen out of favor. Oh. But Enoch replies, nothing is bad for one. He then very pretentiously switches to French, saying, ce monde, il a ni bien ni mal.
1: Wow, that definitely sounded like French.
0: <laughs> I am good at French, yes. Which translates to, in this world there is neither good nor bad.
1: That's not true.
0: And it's also pretentious. Mm-hmm. Will asks what he means, and Enoch helpfully declares that he already explained himself. In the preface of his book titled negations which he gave a copy to will back in paris so will should already know
1: right because he definitely read it
0: will responds by giving him a backhanded insult about the poor grammar he used in that very book
1: oh he did read it slap
0: narrator is very impressed by enoch saying that it was a very wonderful thing to have written a book
1: (laughs) he's impressed that someone just wrote
0: a book that's right
1: he's easily impressed
0: Enoch then says he has a second book coming out, and narrator is intrigued and asks what kind of book? My poems. Ugh. Enoch replies. No. Will asks if that's the title of the book. And Enoch says he was planning on not giving it a title at all.
1: Ugh. Pretentious.
0: Will says that'll will... lazy. Will says that'll make it very difficult to buy at a bookseller's. <laughs> that's true. And Enoch responds, His name will be on it with a drawing of himself as well. So, oh, so that'll be good enough. Sure. Will makes excuses and gets up to leave. And narrator heads out with him, asking why Will was so determined not to make a lithograph of Enoch Soames. He was clearly dropping hints that he wanted the picture <laughs> of Yeah. Yeah, Will to take the picture. Will cryptically replies, Him, how can one draw a man who doesn't exist?
1: <laughs> how? It's an excellent question.
0: (laughs) It's never been done. (laughs) Narrator asks if Will read Enoch's book, Negations. And Will admits that he did, but avoids giving any opinion. And Narrator helpfully uh, narrates for us that because it's the 1890s, it's impolite for artists to critique the work of other artists in other fields.
1: Hmm. Interesting.
0: So painters can't critique writers and vice versa. And photographers can't critique sculptors and whatnot
1: yeah it's kind of the exact opposite now everyone just critiques everyone
0: (laughs) vocally (laughs) on the internet (laughs) Mm -hmm. narrator goes on to say that he immediately went and got a copy of negations and liked to keep it around his room mostly to use as a conversation piece so that he could tell people that he had met the author he then goes on to say he had trouble understanding it because the preface was unintelligible And the short stories that followed included a story about a man who wanted to murder a mannequin, which read as though, quote, the translator had either skipped or cut out every alternate sentence.
1: (laughs) Oh, that sounds painful to read.
0: Narrator says that Enoch's prose was musical, but not all that compelling. Oh. And he awaited the book of poetry with an open mind.
1: Mm, I don't.
0: (laughs) Uh, I think it's already been established in our canon that you hate poetry, is that correct?
1: I don't know if it's been established, but that fact is correct.
0: Well, this is all poetry from now on, so you're going to love it.
1: No! I quit!
0: (laughs) That January, narrator runs into Enoch Soames at the Domino Room, and the two strike up a conversation. After going on for far too many pages about poetry, which I did not write into the summary... Thank you. Enoch states that reading Milton had converted him to diabolism.
1: What's diabolism?
0: Quote, You worship the devil? And Soames shook his head. It's not exactly worship, he qualified, sipping his absinthe. It's more a matter of trusting and encouraging.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: I see, yes, our narrator replied. I had rather gathered from the preface to negations that you were a... a Catholic. I'm a Catholic diabolist, Enoch Hmm. replied.
1: So he believes in the Catholic devil?
0: And encourages him, apparently. To... To win? <laughs> it's already won. Narrator asks when Enoch's book of poetry comes out and is told next week. He then asks if Enoch had settled upon a title and is told, quote, I found a title at last, but I shan't tell you what it is. Because I don't
1: want people buying my
0: book. I am not sure that it wholly satisfies me, but it is the best I could find. They chat about poetry some more. Then we cut to Narrator's impressions of Enoch's book some weeks later because he found it in a store and bought it, and we learned the title that he hesitated to give, which was Fungoids.
1: Oh, no, that's a terrible name.
0: The narrator shares two of the poems from the book Fungoids,
1: mm.
0: which I wrote down verbatim and will now read to no! you for the next 25 minutes. I'm out of here. Nar- okay, we'll skip that part. The first is about a young woman, and the second is about a man who parties and drinks wine with the devil. And it's a rollicking merry set of stanzas that that end with the man realizing that the devil is very, very old.
1: (laughs) The devil was him all along.
0: There are few reviews for fungoids, however, and the book largely goes unnoticed. When narrator runs into Enoch sometime later, he asks if the book is selling well, and Enoch sneers at him, asking narrator if he really thinks that Enoch cares about sales.
1: Yeah, I don't write books to sell books.
0: Because artists only care about creation, not recognition.
1: Sure. Coming from someone who's not getting recognition. Yeah,
0: it's very convenient how that works. Mm -hmm. Narrator goes on to tell us that sometime soon after, he had an essay published, and he asked his editor about Enoch Selms, only to learn that Enoch is regarded as completely lacking in talent. Hmm. But he inherited money, so it's not a big deal. (laughs) Oh, wow. A few years later... In the summer of 1896, Enoch's third book comes out, and it has no effect on anyone. (laughs) Nobody buys it, including our narrator who doesn't even remember its title. Oh, wow. He runs into Soames once or twice in the intervening years, but very little is said besides the fact that eventually Will Rothenstein came around and did a lithograph of Enoch, Ah. who in the image actually appears to be happy. Hmm, Interesting. And so we settle upon the second half of our story, June 1897. The one day? The one day. Narrator heads to a restaurant for lunch, a place called the Restaurant du Vingtième Siècle.
1: Your accents are beautiful.
0: Thank you. I'm sure that it is pronounced correctly. We're told that the restaurant had been fashionable with poets last year until they abandoned the place in favor of some newer discovery.
1: Some place that didn't realize they weren't going to pay their bills.
0: Ooh, you hate poets. (laughs) The moment narrator walks in, he finds the whole place empty except for two people, Enoch Soames, and a single table away from him, a man described as Mephistophelian, Mephistophelian. Mephistophelian? Mephistophelian, as in... As in, Mes- like,
1: Mephistopheles. Exactly.
0: <laughs> and uh, narrator says he's actually seen that man around the domino room once or twice before. Oh, my. So narrator comes up to Enoch and asks if he could sit down. But before he gets any answer, he sit down anyway.
1: he sit down.
0: The silence is oppressive. So narrator studies the unknown man at the next table, describing him as sinister and discomforting. Oh. Enoch finally breaks the silence.
1: It's the devil.
0: By muttering the phrase, a hundred years hence. (laughs) So narrator finishes the sentence saying, we shall not be here. (laughs) We shall not be here, Enoch agrees, but the museum will still be just where it is. And the reading room just where it is.
1: Most things are going to be here in a hundred years.
0: And people will be able to go and read there.
1: Oh, at the reading room? That's right. That's a
0: shock. Enoch then says, you think I haven't minded? And when narrator asks, minded what? He says, neglect, failure, and then starts ranting about his failures. (laughs) Great. Uh, Everyone
1: loves a failed poet ranting about their failures.
0: On like a Tuesday afternoon in a cafe. (laughs) So he starts ranting about how even though true artists care not a whit for recognition, they're still human and it's only natural to crave success. And no one.
1: Someone's changed their tune.
0: No one can even grasp the loneliness and bitterness that comes from being an unrecognized writer.
1: Uh, I'm sure lots of people know that feeling.
0: Like all those millions of unrecognized writers. (laughs) Uh Then Enoch starts going on about how he doesn't care about posterity. But his greatest desire in all the world is to go 100 years to the future to visit the museum and look himself up to see if his works are famous or studied or even remembered at all. Oh, dear. He says, quote, I'd sell myself body and soul to the devil for that.
1: Oh, good thing the devil's right there.
0: And the man at the next table says, Excuse me, permit me, I've been unable not to hear. Because
1: there's only three people in the cafe, and I bet <laughs> they're not keeping their voices down.
0: <laughs> the Mephistophelian man goes on to say, I know my London well, Mr. Soames. Your name and fame. Mr. Beerbombs, too. Very known to me. Not creepy. Your point is, who am I? I am the devil. We didn't ask. (laughs) (laughs) And you did call that, that is the devil, yes.
1: Well, I did call him...
0: Mephistophelian?
1: Mephistophelian.
0: Mephistophelian, yes. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) So we just got a couple of revelations there. Uh, First one, the man is the devil, which you called...
1: What a revelation!
0: Second off, our main character's surname is Beerbaum, And Uh, that's actually our author's surname. Okay. Sir Henry Maximilian Beerbaum. Yeah, that's right.
1: I was going to say, I'm pretty sure I heard that name.
0: And you know what that means, right? This whole thing is a true story. Sure. Because otherwise...
1: Why put your own name in a book? that's
0: That's right. This is clearly a true Stephen story. Stephen
1: King, screw you.
0: Oh, right. Uh, <laughs> that's, uh, we'll cover the Dark Tower series in a different episode. Uh, Some other 25 never want, week long episode. I
1: never want to encounter it again.
0: No, never. Anyway, so the whole thing is a true story, obviously. And our narrator, whose name is actually Henry, it turns out, bursts out laughing at the suggestion that the man is the devil. Dr. Lucifer Satan himself is annoyed by the laughter, saying, I am a gentleman, and I thought I was in the company of gentlemen.
1: How dare you mock me.
0: And our narrator Henry finally gets a hold of himself and stops laughing, apologizing for his outburst. The devil very graciously accepts his apology, Mm -hmm. and then turns to Enoch, saying, He actually does have the power to send him 100 years in the future. So he quickly outlines the scheme saying it's just past two in the afternoon now and the reading room at the museum is open until seven so he could send Enoch 100 years into the future where he'll spend five hours at the museum before being instantly transported back to the restaurant the very table he's sitting in now where then, quote, I can come and fetch you here, Mr. Soames, on my way home. Home.
1: <laughs> Nothing can go wrong with this.
0: Home, our narrator bursts. Be it ever so humble, the devil replies.
1: Why is he surprised the dude has a home? He doesn't look <laughs> homeless.
0: All right, says Enoch, and the deal is struck. <laughs> the devil tells him there's no smoking in the museum in a hundred years. So Enoch drops his cigarette into his still full glass of wine.
1: No, oh, that's a waste of wine.
0: And the devil reaches a hand across towards Enoch, and when he touches him, the mad poet vanishes in the blink of an eye. The devil stares at Henry triumphantly. Henry shudders and then says, very clever, but The Time Machine is a delightful book, don't you think? So utterly, entirely original. The devil replies, you are pleased to sneer, but it is one thing to write about an impossible machine. It is quite another to be a supernatural power.
1: Yeah, those are two different things. One sci-fi, one's fantasy.
0: No, one's sci-fi, one's real, because this is a true story. (laughs)
1: Uh Uh-huh, definitely true.
0: The devil leaves while Henry pays the bill for Enoch's lunch because the poet skipped out on his bill.
1: Ugh, that was the plan the whole time. (laughs) Poets, man. Fucking poets.
0: But then Henry makes a reservation at the restaurant saying that he and Enoch will be dining there at 7pm. And he requests the very same table they were just sitting at. He then leaves and spends the intervening hours wandering around in a state of shock saying that he has only the haziest recollections of the afternoon.
1: So he got
0: high. Henry goes to dinner a bit before 7, reading a newspaper while waiting for Enoch's return. And when Enoch appears suddenly, out of thin air, it was just the same way he'd originally vanished. Hmm. Blink of an eye. Henry doesn't ask him about how the future was. Really? Instead, he begins scheming for ways to save Enoch's life from the devil, saying the devil won't catch up to him if he immediately leaves for France.
1: Yep, the devil's not going to find you.
0: Never been to Paris. (laughs) Never. Oh,
1: definitely been to
0: Paris. (laughs) Enoch replies, It's like my luck to spend my last hours on Earth with an ass. (laughs) Henry continues trying to convince Enoch to run away, but Enoch says he'll stick to the deal with the devil and wait right there at the restaurant until the devil comes for him.
1: Yeah, you're not getting away from the devil.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Saying, You saw him touch me, didn't you? There's an end of it. I've no will. I'm sealed. And so, finally, Henry starts asking about Enoch's adventures in the future, while Enoch drinks glass after glass of wine and eats no food.
1: Oh, I would do everything. I would eat everything. I would drink everything.
0: Oh, yeah. And so, he went to the far, far future, June of 1997.
1: 1997? Yeah,
0: the future. And declares that in the future, people looked very like one another. They all wore matching uniforms of (laughs) Mm grayish-yellow with large metal discs on their arms that declared letters and numbers, such as DKF-78910.
1: He put him in a prison.
0: Additionally, all of the men and women were hairless.
1: Oh, no, not hairless. The
0: future sounds terrible.
1: 1997 was the worst.
0: (laughs) Enoch says that as he wandered through the museum, a crowd followed him at all times keeping their distance as though frightened.
1: Mm, Because he's weird, he's not hairless.
0: After taking in the sights for a bit, Enoch then went to the catalogue to look up his own name.
1: (laughs) As we all do on Google, yes.
0: Where he found his name along with the titles of his three books. Mmm, fungoids. Also, he had difficulty reading the English of the future because all the spellings were different. Uh, English has changed and everything is spelled phonetically. Oh, no. Instead of, you know, in English. But the old names, like his own, remained spelled in their original manner. And the same is true for Henry's name.
1: Oh, we looked up Henry?
0: Yeah, because he looked up our narrator author and confirmed that he too is remembered in a hundred years.
1: Oh, because he's there for like four hours?
0: Uh, five hours, yeah. Five hours. And so Enoch went to a book of literary critique and found an entry that he copied out. It's written in a terrible phonetic quote-unquote way uh which i found very difficult to read oh yeah it's one of those where as you're reading it you have to sort of translate it in your own head oh, based I on the sound like of the letters that. yeah and the entry from the book of literary critique basically says that there's a there was once a writer in the 1890s named max beerbohm who wrote a short story called enoch soames which was about the poet Enoch Soames, <laughs> in which he claimed that Enoch met the devil and traveled to the future.
1: Oh, it's like a book within a book.
0: And the critique claims, quote, It is a somewhat labored satire, but not without value, as showing how seriously young men of the 1890s took themselves.
1: <sighs> That's quite the sigh. I I have something to say about this.
0: Okay,
1: So the actual author yes. has written a book mm-hmm. as himself writing a book, and then he writes his own critique of his book within the book.
0: It's meta, but it's from 1916, and it's meta. Uh Before meta was known as being meta. Mm -hmm. Now that's meta.
1: Mm, No, it isn't. (laughs) (laughs) So is he suggesting to the people who are going to read this book that this is how they should interpret this book?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's there's no wrong way to interpret things. There's only incorrect ways.
1: But by putting it in there, <laughs> is he suggesting this is how we as readers should interpret it?
0: Potentially. Ugh. It's all very baffling, our narrator announces, asking if Enoch copied out the passage properly, and he says yes, he did. But Henry protests that he's not a fiction writer. He's actually an essayist. The whole thing must be a coincidence.
1: Really? He's not realizing... What's happening
0: here? (laughs) (laughs) But then Enoch says, let's talk about something else. And as the evening continues, Enoch drinks more wine and gets more and more bitter. Then uh, telling the narrator that he isn't an artist. And he feels very unlucky that apparently the short story about his Faustian bargain is the only way he's remembered in the future.
1: That's pretty good.
0: And eventually, the devil returns, wearing a tilted top hat and twirling his mustache villainously.
1: That denotes evil.
0: He does not have a monocle, but I assume that he does.
1: Probably in his pocket.
0: Like, they didn't even say it in the description, because it went without saying Oh, it's just implied. Yeah. He orders Enoch to leave with him, and as they head out the door, Enoch turns back to our author and declares, Try to make them know that I did exist.
1: Obviously he does.
0: Well, yeah, because we're reading about him, because it's a true story. Sure. Henry runs out the door after Enoch and the devil. But the moment the two walked out of the restaurant, they teleported somewhere. Hell. And so our author is left standing alone on a quiet street. He goes on to say that Enoch's disappearance from London went completely unnoticed. Oh, no, poor Enoch. And although he thought of reporting him to Scotland Yard as a missing person, he never did. Oh. Because he's a terrible friend.
1: Ugh. Terrible friend.
0: Narrator then goes on for a bit to say that... He's begun writing a short story that we are currently reading.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And he has done so specifically so that people in the future are prepared for Enoch's arrival at the museum. Because doubtless, those people who are following him around gawking (laughs) were expecting his arrival thanks to the existence of the short story.
1: Why in the world would they actually expect it to happen?
0: Because he wrote about it, and everyone remembers Maximilian Beerbohm.
1: Yeah, but even he didn't believe the devil was the devil. (laughs)
0: He then adds a curious postscript, saying that years later, he caught sight of the devil several times, usually from a distance, but once in Paris, he realized he was approaching the devil on the sidewalk and remembering Enoch, he summoned all his strength and wrath and anger and got ready to tell the devil off. And so we come to the final lines of the story.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Quote, one is so used to nodding and smiling in the street to anybody whom one knows, that the action becomes almost independent of oneself. To prevent it requires a very sharp effort and great presence of mind.
1: Mm, Not for me.
0: I was miserably aware, as I passed the devil, that I nodded and smiled to him. And my shame was deeper and hotter, because he, if you please, stared straight at me with the utmost haughtiness.
1: Mm, He is the devil.
0: To be cut, deliberately cut by him, I was, I still am, furious having had that happen to me.
1: This guy's a coward. (laughs) Doesn't try and save his friend. Doesn't even tell off the devil.
0: Doesn't report his friend is missing to Scotland Yard. He's in hell. And no one's going to save him now because no one knows he's there. No. Like at least if people knew he was there, they could have mounted an expedition or something.
1: Or hunted the devil down. Well, yeah.
0: I mean, Scotland Yard, I'm sure they know the devil exists. I'm sure they have a file open.
1: (laughs) Yep. Giant file. A devil related file.
0: And add just another name to that list.
1: So, also, Enoch is kind of a dick. He could have gotten stuff, information from the future, that he could have given Henry to further him.
0: Like, uh, stocks and bonds? <laughs> sure. Watch out for World War One; It's only a couple years away. Things he could bet on.
1: Yeah, he didn't even warn him about major world events.
0: Mm-hmm. Stark market crash, 1929. World War II right after that.
1: One asshole.
0: Don't let Franz Ferdinand get killed. <laughs> or know.
1: let, you know, whatever side he's on.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, there's a lot of we things. We don't really know. <laughs> well, okay, let's face it, though. Enoch was a poet, which means he was very pretentious and... Pride. Plus, he
1: considered himself a, what did you refer to it as, diabolist?
0: A Catholic diabolist. Right. Because that's a thing.
1: And I'm actually, come to think of it, Henry would just go with the flow. He wouldn't do anything to stop the wars. <laughs> oh, I wanted to, but I couldn't because it was habit.
0: Nice. That is Enoch Soames. Uh, he was a pretentious poet, and you wouldn't have liked his poetry. No,
1: no, I would not have.
0: And that's why I ordered fungoids for you. I found it. It's no, a, it's a real how thing. dare this you. This whole thing a true story. Ugh. I was there, man, in 1997. I saw the hairless people with the discs on their arms and the gray-yellow uniforms.
1: That is the year you started smoking weed.
0: (laughs) This has been the Everett Book Club. You can visit us online at www.everettbookclub.com
1: You can email us at everettbookclub.com hotmail.com
0: or find us by name on facebook twitter or instagram
1: if you or your organization are developing an artificial intelligence ruiz and i are available to administer touring tests
0: please note there is no guarantee of accuracy efficacy or professionalism
1: ever and if you know it, a second-hand bookstore that deserves some love email us and we'll give them a shout out
0: So, Marguerite, we have eight more days to spend in Hufflepuff, Portugal.
1: Not enough time.
0: And I'm already bored. What? So I'm going to skip the Puppy Tuxedo fashion show tonight. (laughs)
1: Well, I'm still going.
0: I hope you have fun.
1: You know there's going to be cats on the catwalk tea, right?
0: Uh, say what?
1: Yeah, cats and kittens.
0: Wait, kittens and cats? (laughs) All right, count me in. How long does it last, though? (laughs)
1: All night.